You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly and uh, once again, delighted to be joined on the show by my co-host here on the show. It is uh, Doug Moore. Doug, how's things going since, uh, I guess it's two weeks now since we had our, our last show? Uh, it's been crazy. It's It's been crazy, you know, full uh, free agency is in, in full swing, just about. You know, that we're still in the, crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a quote-unquote quote legal tampering period where basically... Yeah. Teams can all teams and players and agents can do everything except sign a contract. Yeah. At least uh, those that aren't street free agents. But uh, even trades are happening. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's been crazy, and it's only going to get more crazy. And draft season two, this is arguably just as exciting as regular football. Yeah. I, I will say. And uh, obviously, like we used to have a little bit more time between. Uh, the combine and then fragency but the way the league calendar has gone particularly this year it was just really on top of each other so you're kind of coming out thinking yeah let's talk some combine let's have a nice week off oh wait there's fragency and uh, trades and deals are happening as we speak and uh, starting this has been recorded on Wednesday and uh, you know throughout the day sent over Doug and uh, our guest today is going to be Mike Huggin and we're going to talk a lot about the draft but sent the two guys over a, a show layout yesterday and um uh, not too long after it, uh, a lot of news started coming out, and then as today progressed, I continued to uh, update the layout and uh, continued to uh, evolve a lot. So we will talk some free agency at the end of the podcast, myself and Doug, but just continued to move along at such a rapid pace. But um, obviously, thank you again for tuning into the OTI podcast. I'd like to give a plug at the start for the iTunes and Stitcher, all the ways you can listen to the show. Do subscribe on there, give us a written and a comment. It does help uh, you know grow the listenership here at the OTI podcast. Really appreciate it. Give us a a little uh, tag on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Uh, tell your friends you're listening to the show and uh, help spread the word. We always are very, very grateful for that. As always, too, I'd like to give a plug uh, for any offers we have for our listeners. And uh, starting the show today in association with NFL Shop Europe, uh, we have our code going back. We have 10% off all orders on their website for all our listeners. It is OTI10 at checkout. The simple code is OTI10. And uh, that is europe.nflshop.com. Uh, anything on the website, get an extra 10% off of that code. That is OTI10 at europe.nflshop.com. So with plugs and such out of the way, I'm going to get straight into uh, getting our guests on the show. And uh, let's get Mike Hoganen of gridironnow.com aboard the OTI podcast. Hi, this is Ross Tucker, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland podcast. Joined now in the podcast by Mike Hoganen, and uh, I've had Mike on, I think, the last three years, at least two years now, talking about the uh, draft prior to the draft, and I think uh, my claim to fame uh, is when he uh, put me on to Alan Robinson back in, as, a, as a sleeper candidate in that draft uh, a couple of years back, and obviously we've seen what Alan Robinson has turned into in the NFL, so we're looking forward to having Mike on here, and uh, maybe he'll touch us on some under-the-radar guys that turn into to stars in the NFL in this one, but Mike, as always, uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, obviously, we had the, the combine this past week, and now's the time to really uh, obviously start to dig into these prospects. We've kind of seen how they performed uh, in Indianapolis, and some of the players obviously uh, impressed. Uh, some players didn't impress quite as much, and there's a lot of talking points to take away from what did happen uh, in Indianapolis. Obviously, Dalvin Cook had a, a kind of a, a poor performance overall. There was a lot of talk about Leonard Fournette's weight. Uh, John Ross broke the, the NFL combine record set by Chris Johnson for the for the 40-yard dash, and then obviously Miles Garrett, uh, the projected number one overall pick, just kind of dominated and pretty much cemented his place there. But what, uh, if you could only pick one talking point, what would be your biggest takeaway from uh, this past week's uh, combine? Uh, I'm going to pick a tie. Uh, I- I'm going to pick a Jalen Tabor and a very underwhelming combine performance and Reuben Foster getting sent home. Uh, Reuben Foster is still unquestionably the best inside linebacker prospect in the draft, and getting sent home isn't going to hurt him that much, I don't think. But uh, I think Tabor running in the four sixes, um, he's had some off-field concerns. Um, this is a, a pretty solid cornerback class, and uh, I've talked to people who say Jalen Tabor now is a second-round pick. Um, now, obviously, Joe. J- 
former Florida cornerback Joe Hayden had a really horrible combine performance and then had a great pro day, still went in the first round, and is a Pro Bowl corner now with Cleveland. So Tabor's pro day performance uh, in Gainesville in a couple of weeks is going to be vital. But uh, for a guy who at one time looked like he, be, he could be the first or second corner off the board, I think he's now looking to be the fifth or sixth. And I think Indianapolis really hurt Tabor the most of anybody. Yeah, and you obviously mentioned there Reuben Foster, kind of situation with him uh, prior to his medical exam. Uh, what uh, what was kind of the details that have come out since that as to, to what happened? And uh, do you think it will affect uh, his standing with uh, the 32 teams that possibly are looking to draft him? Yeah, no, Foster's an interesting case. Um, he, he wasn't going to work that anyway because he had shoulder surgery. So he, he was there basically just for the interviews and for the medical exam. Um, he got irritated at the amount of time he had to wait for his exam and evidently dressed down a hospital employee uh, who was antagonized enough to complain. Um, the hospital complained to NFL personnel, and they told Foster, you're, you're overreacting, you're being immature, get out of here, go home. Um, now, Foster did meet with a bunch of teams uh, this week, the, the day before Alabama's Pro Day, uh, and supposedly um, did enough to um, put some people's mind at ease. Um, but, you know, I think he was a guy who conceivably could have gone in the top ten. I, I don't think he's going in the top ten, but I think it, he's an inside linebacker. Inside linebackers generally don't go in the top ten anyway. So um, he had a reputation in Alabama. He, he was a big-time high school football recruit, got to Alabama, didn't play much his first two years, and one reason was – to be, to be frank, he didn't really learn the playbook. Um, he freelanced way too much. Now, he always was a big hitter. Uh, he sort of put it all together as a junior and then had a phenomenal senior season. He's still going to be a first-round pick, but I think there are a handful of teams that, even if they want an inside linebacker, might shy away from him and, and look for help in later rounds because they are worried about his personality. No, that, that brings up a, a good point. You know, obviously, I think when you look at uh, his talent, far and away, he's the, he's the best, um, you know, inside linebacker prospect in this draft. And, and I, I think there were reports that he could have gone as high as number two in the draft. And I think that's not very true. I, I, I don't believe it will happen uh, just because um, the 49ers have a lot of needs. And I don't think inside linebackers one that they need to spend a top two pick on. But it's interesting that, you know, we, we saw, um, you know, we've seen teams or prospects, I should say, that have, you know, sent out correspondence to all 32 teams. If I'm not mistaken, I think Jeremy Hill did a few years back um, trying to explain himself and, and stuff like that. And it helped him, you know, I, I think in a good amount of uh, getting him. I think he was a second round pick out of uh, LSU. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it helped him. So I think, you know, I think I saw he had sent every, you know, the teams out, uh, you know, an apology or his agent and stuff like that. So we interesting to see. But I think talent-wise, he's, he's the top inside linebacker prospect. There's no doubt about it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see on his pro day, uh, you know, what the reports are in regards to, you know, his explanation and stuff like that when he gets to uh, sit in front of teams and stuff like that. My biggest story I'll go with is um, – I guess it's I guess it's technically two stories, but it coincides. Is uh, the, the top two running backs in this draft being um, you know Dalvin Cook and, and Leonard Fournette, both uh, you know had I guess you could say up and down combines. Cook I think was a little bit worse just because I don't think he did as well as people had hoped he would, um, just in, in regards to his testing. Um, and you know the, I guess there's some doubt as to you know what he can do and and, and blah blah blah. I, I it's hard because I think the combine can be overrated in regards to how it moves up and down people's boards, not teams, but draft Twitter and stuff like that. So um, it, it was interesting, but also, you know, Fournette, he did really, really well, at least, you know, when you saw some of his testing results, some of it wasn't as good, but some of it was, you know, his four five, uh, one, uh, 40 yard combine at 240 pounds is quite remarkable. Um, but on the flip side, his two forty which is his weight was a concern for some teams, um, which I guess, you know, he tried to pull off his, uh, Oh, it's water weight and stuff like that, which who knows if it's true or not. But um, I found that quite interesting. I wanted to get your take on that, obviously. Um, 
how do, how do you think that the whole situation unfolded? Do you think it, it changes anything? You know, do, do you think it, it hurts both of them significantly? When I talk about them, I, I'm talking about Dalvin Cook and, and Leonard Fournette, obviously. I'm just curious what you think in regards to um, how they come out of the combine and, and how does it hurt or help them? I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think those two are, are clearly head and shoulders of every, every other running back. And I'd be surprised if another running back went in the first round. I know a lot of people like Christian McCaffrey. I like Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's a first-round pick. Um, you're right, Fournette, it, it was amazing. He, he, he weighed 235 at LSU. Um, and he weighs in at 240, and all of a sudden, oh, my God, look how big he is. Well, he gained five pounds. Um, and people forget, he, he missed five games during the season with an ankle injury, um, which affected him through the middle of January at least. So I don't think he was in 100% shape at the combine. That said, and he weighs 240, people get up, get a little bit, get a little, little bit worried. Then he d- does the vertical jump. Oh my God, he only jumped 28. This is horrible. And you would have thought he he would gone, he had gone out and gotten in a car wreck. And then 30 minutes later, he runs the 40 and 451, and everyone's like, "Whoo! I guess it's the, this is the the real Leonard Fournette." And as someone said, you know, it's not like the dude spends his life jumping over people. He runs them. I think if you, you can gain, as anybody knows, even a quote-unquote normal person, gaining five pounds, losing five pounds, that's not that big a deal. No. Spell team tells Fournette, we want you at 235. He'll be at 235. The, the guy is a freakish athlete. I don't care if he didn't test well or not. Watch him on the football field. The way he changes uh, changes direction, ch- changes gears. Um, there's a there's a kickoff return against Notre Dame uh, when he was a freshman in a bowl game. That's just awesome in its beauty, frankly. Um, I still think he's the top running back. I don't think there's any question. I think he's going to top ten. Dalvin Cook, the biggest question a lot of teams had were his shoulders. Um, he's had some is- injury issues. Uh, medically, he checked out fine. Now, you're right, he tested poorly and which shocked people. Uh, my answer to that, again, would be look at the guy on tape. He puts up phenomenal numbers in a really good league. He had big-time numbers against all the big schools he played against. Um, you know, he had a great game against Michigan, tore up Florida two years in a row, had big games against Clemson. Um, is he the best pass blocker? No. Is he the best receiver? No. Um, can he take the ball the distance on any carry? Yes. So, um, again, I think the teams that are smarter are going to say the only true concern we had is his medicals. He's fine. He hasn't lost one iota on our draft board. So um, I think he's a top 15 pick. I think he can be an NFL superstar on the right team. Um, you put him on a team with a good offensive line, um, he, he'll run for 1,400 yards as a, fra- as, as a rookie. He's that good. Same thing with Fournette. I think Fournette um, is a little bit better pass blocker, a little bit better receiver. Uh, I, I think he's a little bit better between the tackles runner. Uh, but Dalvin Cook, you're, yeah, for, for all the uh, angst and teeth gnashing that went on about his combine, I, I don't think that's going to hurt him. I think, again, I think part of the reason is this looks like a two-man running back class that's clearly above everybody else. And so that's why I think one reason that a poor, a, that the supposed poor combine for Cook won't hurt, whereas for a guy like Jalen Tabor, you know, just five or six corners all basically the same, you look bad at the combine, that's going to cost you. But it's not, I don't think it's going to cost down the coast. So, so, so real quick, I want to I wanna get your, your take on something else. Something I saw um, based off of, you know, the, the poor testing that some of these running backs did, you know, Cook and – and then um, Fournette is some people were talking up Joe Mixon. Now, granted, Joe Mixon, no doubt about his talent. Argu- he might even arguably be the most uh, talented running back on the field um, out of all these running backs. I, I think he could be. Uh, but, you know, again, he- he's-, he's got a horrible off-field history. And um, I-, I don't think he deserves to be drafted, you know, the first running back. Or, you know, if I had it my way, he wouldn't be drafted at all. But... That's no, we're not in charge of NFL teams. Um, <laughs> but what I did see is there were some people that, you know, saying that by Mixon not being there and how poorly, I guess you could say, quote unquote, uh, Fournette and Cook did, it actually helped Mixon a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, 
I think also what helped Mixon is, you know, when, when, when players go to the Combine, there's news conferences. Well, Joe Mixon didn't face the news conference. And let's get serious. The times he has faced the media while he was at Oklahoma, he came across as sort of an ass. <laughs> um, and, I, I, and, again, he, he, there, so there was no, pub, no public viewing of Joe Mixon this time. Um, the teams that want to interview him are going to interview him anyway. Um, and you're right, his pro day was, uh, was, was Wednesday. Um, saw a couple yeah, of tweets. He, he had a first-round workout. Um, and I agree, I think he is the most complete back because Oklahoma used the heck, have a, heck out of him as a receiver. Um, he was not overused by Cook or Fournette. Now, not that they were, but he had fewer carries than them even because the bulk of the carries went to Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, and, and Mixon's got a lot of things to like about him, but you're right. I mean, whoever drafts him is going to be in for a PR nightmare, and I agree with you. They deserve all the scorn that will be heaped upon him. This kid broke a woman's face with a punch, and I truly don't think, from what I've read and, and frankly heard about the kid, that he thinks it's that big a deal. No, I know he missed a season. Um, he redshirted. Big deal. Um, uh, and I, we all know, like you said, the NFL is a league that's basically geared toward production. So if you produce on the field, no matter what kind of person you are, you're going to get compensated. So um, I, I, I don't think Joe Mixon's going in the first round. Uh, I can see him going on the second day. Um, and if he's on the second day, that increases the pressure on the team that drafted him. But I think he will get drafted um, because I think it goes back to he's fast, he can catch. Um, he, he had to do a lot of things in Oklahoma's offense. Uh, he can be used in a variety of ways. Heck, I think you could split him out and put him in the slot on a couple of plays because he's that good a receiver. So um, he, he's an interesting draft case. Um, he's going to be drafted lower than he should be given his talent level, but I would agree with you. He's going to be drafted above where he should be uh, as a person because yeah. I, I, I agree. If I, if I was a decision maker, I would not draft this kid. And it's, it's uh, best, you know, five or six years ago, I think, uh, probably it would have been classed as a, a lowercase did, but with the PR nightmares the NFL has had over the last uh, 10 yeah. years, and so uh, not even t- two or three years with Adrian Peterson, Ray Rice, and so on, Greg Hardy, it's just, uh, you know, he's going to, that's really going to push him down. And we've even seen with Tyreek Hill how quickly things can be forgotten once you start producing on the field. So we'll see what happens there as, uh, as things progress. Obviously, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier at the very start, Miles Garrett, and obviously he had a, a very, very solid uh, workout, you know. Going into it, projected as the number one overall pick, I think at that point, then you're just wondering, does he do anything to to, to uh, hinder us, uh, himself? But he certainly had a, a very, very uh, you know smooth combine. Is there anyone else in this class that could possibly challenge him for the that number one overall pick, or do you just think it's uh, signed, sealed, signed, sealed, and delivered? I, I I think whoever drafts number one, my presumption is Cleveland's going to keep the pick. You you got to draft Miles Um He he's. A nice kid, too. Very, very nice kid. Nice guy. Goes to class. Gets good grades. Um, freakish athlete. Um, did not have the best junior season because he was hurt. Um, you know, I've seen all sorts of comparisons. Oh, Jonathan Allen's a better player right now. Derek Barnett of Tennessee put up better numbers. Well, yeah, Jonathan Allen is a better player right now. But Jonathan Allen's a year older. Um, played in a different kind of defense. And, you know, you're drafting Miles Garrett on what he can become. And he can become a 15-sack-a-year guy. Um, is he great against the run? No. Uh, is he weak against the run? No. He sets the edge fairly well. I think he'll get better at that. But, again, he's a pass rusher. You turn this guy loose. You hope that there's a defensive coordinator that is savvy enough to realize, I can use this guy in a wide variety of ways. I can use him as a stand-up outside linebacker. I can have him rush with his hand down. I can use him on – as an inside pass rusher at times even, I can blitz him from middle linebacker. Miles Garrett can do a lot of things because of his athleticism. I cannot see him not going number one. Yeah, and I think with those kind of blue chip players, and Cleveland's a team that uh, obviously, if they do keep that pick, they, you know, you can trade back so many times, but eventually you're going to have to start putting uh, depth on that team, and you do need uh, those key players. And I think he could be a cornerstone piece for them as uh, as they move forward. Also, they have that twelfth pick, so uh, it'll be more likely that they might trade down from that or trade it away. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, obviously some of the quarterbacks in this year's class. 
uh, Watson and Trubinsky had uh, quite fast 40 times this week. It's not something I put a huge lot of stock into the quarterbacks 40 times. Uh, we've seen a lot of fast quarterbacks over the years recently with guys like RG3, although his injury probably hampered him. But obviously the pocket presence, uh, the ability to throw the ball, I, I would class a lot, lot higher than the speed they do in the 40-yard dash. Is the 40-yard dash something that you put stock into for quarterbacks? And uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, have you uh, a favorite quarterback in this year's class? And they're starting to, around the combine, obviously a lot of hype already for the, the 2018 class of quarterbacks. Uh, is there anyone in next year's class uh, that would would you know fit in here as, as the top quarterback and uh, vice versa yeah i think going looking at 2018 sam Darnold of usc uh, i think he's better than any quarterback in this class um you know you, you like the fact that deshaun watson's athletic trubisky's athletic pat mahomes has some athleticism deshaun kaiser's got some athleticism i'll be frank though i watched a lot of quarterbacks I, I would not take any one of these guys in the first round. Now, I, I'm assuming two or three or maybe even four are going in the first round because quarterbacks are always overvalued. But, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, yes, he won a national title, played for another one. Boy, he threw 30 interceptions in his last two seasons. He makes a lot of mistakes. Now, perhaps as he gets older, that can be sort of coached out of him. Unsure about that. Trubisky only started for one year. Uh, couldn't beat out Marquise Williams which sort of is a sort of a red flashing like to me. Pat Mahomes plays in an offense that is so far it's, it's, the Texas Tech passing offense isn't anything like any pass offense at the NFL run. So I, I'm not sure why so many folks are so high on Pat Mahomes. Sean Kaiser's got some nice athletic skills. His team finished four and eight. Um, if you're an elite quarterback, your team shouldn't finish four and eight. Uh, Davis Webb, the Cal quarterback, Texas Tech transfer, throws the heck out of the ball. Uh, I don't think he's as far, as far along as Jared, Jared Goff, and we saw Goff struggle mightily uh, this year with the Rams. Um, you know, it, uh, they both played at Cal. Cal coaches Sonny Dykes, a really good passing coach. But Dykes says, you know, hey, I got basically I have seven passing plays. I run a lot of formations and routes off those seven, but he only got seven basic plays. And Davis Webb and Pat Mahomes, for that matter, they didn't do a lot of reading defense. They went back, made their first read, made their second read for what they're supposed to do, not what the defense, and then they threw it. So um, I think there's a danger associated with every single quarterback in this draft. Again, teams will reach. Uh, and some are going to pan out. Heck, Dak Prescott was phenomenal this year. Which, which I, think, I thought he was a great college quarterback. I thought he had a two- or three-year learning curve at least. But if, if I'm a team that needs a quarterback, I might bite the bullet, find a veteran stopgap, and then hope like heck I can get Sam Darnold next year because I think Sam Darnold's going to be an NFL star. Yeah, he looks uh, he looks a real talent, and it's it's always interesting to see you know one year can make a huge difference uh, you know projecting ahead, but uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he develops this coming season. Uh, this tight end class as well, something I'm very interested in. Uh, a lot of the time when tight ends come into the NFL, it takes them a couple of years to kind of develop, get into the scheme, learn the blocking system, and so on. But we've a, a real, real uh, you know potential uh, all-time great tight end class coming out this year with you know the different uh, physical attributes and in particular the speed of some of these guys you know the freakish uh, combination of speed and size uh, is there any in this group that you are particularly interested in and also with this group uh, do you agree that it has the potential to be one of the the best tight end classes that well that we've seen in the last 10 years yeah there's a lot of good ones oj howard should be a star um he was underutilized at Alabama. Um, it's funny, each of the last two years, Saban said, yeah, we'll be using him more, and they never did. Um, but he had a phenomenal combine. He ran a 4.51. He weighs 6'6", six, six, and he's, two, I mean, he's six, six and weighs 250 pounds and runs a 4.51. That, that's wide receiver speed in yeah. a guy that big. Um, he's got good hands, can get deep. Um, uh, right team, he can be a star. Uh, I'm not as high on Evan Ingram as a lot of folks. He, he's not a tight end. He's a big, oversized wide receiver. He cannot block. Um, I think if Michigan's Jake Butt had not blown out his knee, uh, he would be a guy as a rookie who could be a really productive guy as a rookie. I think now because of that ACL tear, it's going to take him a year or two. But I think you're going to be able to get really good, high-level, rather high-value tight ends late in the draft. There's a kid named Gerald Everett from South Alabama, who I think is a really good pass catcher. Jeremy Sprinkle from Arkansas, Jordan Leggett from Clemson. 
and there's a kid from Florida International, Janu Smith. Um, again, none of these guys, well, Sprinkle's a big guy. These other guys are not really, you know, the old-time throwback tight ends, but they can catch the ball and get deep. But um, th- you're, I agree, this is a big-time tight end class. And I think, you know, if, you're, if your team needs a tight end and they don't take one on the second day, you're thinking, oh, my God, we've, we've struck out. No. There's going to be tight ends available on the third day who can make an impact as a rookie and become, you know, 40 or 50 catch guys for three or four seasons. This is that deep a tight end class. Yeah, I mean, what I'll, what I'll add to that is is I'm a huge fan of, of, uh, of O.J. Howard. I think I mentioned it before. Um, I, I think bar none, for me at least, now granted you could argue it, I think he's the top tight end in this class just because – when oh, you look at the other guys, uh, when you when you look at the other guys, I think there's one guy you left out who everybody's talking about. That's uh, I, I, me and names are not good. I'm gonna hope his <laughs> name is David Joku. Yeah, from um, Miami. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, everybody's talking about him. He's another guy. He he didn't put up eye popping stats. Now, granted, tight ends in college usually don't, just because um, it's just always been that way for some reason. Obviously, offenses are a lot different. They don't rely on them as much. And, and more of these guys are, are more hybrid players, as you said, as opposed to throwback, you know, big tight ends who can block and be, you know, an intermediate, you know, catcher, a pass catcher or in the red zone. So, you know, you look at the you – know, I think it's down to David Joku or, or O.J. Howard for most people, at least in draft career. Now, granted, who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe Jeremy Sprinkle's number one guy in, in, when it comes time for the draft. Who knows? when it comes to teams, but no, in all seriousness, like you said, this is a deep, deep class. I think there's some immediate talent that, you know, is going to be available on, uh, on day two, day three. I'm a huge fan of Jordan Leggett, for example. Um, You know, I think he, I think it just in this class, just like we saw like two years ago with the running back class, there are guys that you're not even going to, that are going to be drafted day three or undrafted that, in a normal class, not in a loaded class, they would be day two, maybe early day three talent. So it's going to happen. There's just so many names that you're going to forget some in the mix. Um, but this is a deep class. And, and, and as we've seen, you know, a lot of teams have already signed tight ends. You know, we saw uh, Jermaine Gresham has already been signed. We saw that uh, Dwayne Allen was traded today to the Patriots. We saw Jack Doyle be re-signed. Uh, we saw Vernon Davis be re-signed. So already some of the top tight ends – uh, already gone so these teams have to start looking into all right who am i going to get in the draft and that's really where we're going to see uh especially with these pro days potentially and, and who they interview and stuff like that bring in for private workouts this is a loaded class like you said i'm excited about the potential in, in year one especially for guys like uh joku and and um oj howard but overall there's gonna be some talent that could be you know top five in their class it's going to be top 10 if not top 15 just because of how much talent there is uh, yeah, Joku. Joku's a guy. That, I live in Florida. I've watched a lot of Miami games. You keep reading about him. You keep hoping to see something, and you, you do see flashes. This guy looks intriguing. Um, but you're right. He went to he went to the combine and didn't wow anyone. His stats, even though he played in a pass offense with, with Brad Kaya, he, he wasn't you know any kind of superstar tight end. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's the one tight end, frankly, that in this class I'm leery about. I'm not leery about about OJ Howard. Um, right, no, and I, 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 right, no, I agree with you because uh, you know the one thing that I read about a lot before the combine is this guy's going to blow up the combine. Right, he's and known he did for not. His right. and he, he he did pretty well for himself, but he didn't blow up the combine. He didn't have you know the Vernon Davis type numbers at the combine when he was coming out of college or, or, or any other top prospect. Right. You know, he was known for his athleticism and his potential, and you know he didn't blow up the combine. Now, granted, we can't take. 100% of, of what happens at the Combine and determine what they're going to do in the NFL. But, you know, he's unproven. I think O.J. Howard has shown big plays. I think Evan Evan yes. Ingram has shown big plays. I think Jake Budd has. Evan, uh, you know, um, Jordan Leggett, Jeremy Sprinkle, every other one of these guys. Noku is that guy that you hope will turn out well, but you really don't know if he's going to. That, that, that's why I'd be leery of him. You're right. I mean, Howard is, yeah, Howard is a freak athlete. And you're right. Evan Ingram... Let Ole Miss, which threw the heck out of the ball in receiving. Um, but if, you, if you're asking, you know, if you want to line up Evan Ingram in the old-style tight end, he ain't going to give you much in the, in the blocking game. But he is a really good receiver, great hands, can get down the seam, um, used to run in a wide variety of routes. Um, yeah, this, again, this, 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 yeah, again if, if your team needs a tight end, 
um, I would be quite comfortable uh, in, in, frankly, saying, okay, we'll find one in this draft, and let's, 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 I'll worry about another position instead because we're going to get a tight end because there's that many available. Obviously, you mentioned uh, the tight end depth there. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to just touch on is the defensive backs in this class. Uh, there's obviously uh, quite a few of them that have been talked up and should be some depth in that position too. And obviously, I'm a Packers uh, fan, so I'm, I'm hoping that a few of the picks uh, early in the draft this year go to solving that. Are you, are you uh, confident, you know, the defensive backs, whether it be cornerback or safety, uh, is pretty, uh, pretty dep- uh, deep and pretty healthy this year? Yeah, I think this is a really, really, really good cornerback class. Um, you know, um, w- one guy who I'm a huge fan of um, is Desmond King of, of Iowa. Uh, yes. And Desmond King may not go until the third day. Uh, I think Quincy Wilson of Florida is really good. Um, I think Jordan Lewis of Michigan is good. Adoree Jackson at USC, a little on the small side, but, but the guy's a blazer. But, I mean, there's going to be, I would imagine, four or five corners in the first round. Um, Jamal Adams is, I think, going to be a superstar at safety. Um, there's, and there's a lot of good safety. But, if, yeah, this is, a, this is another one. If, you're, if your team needs a corner uh, and they don't get one in the first two days, don't worry about it because there's going to be a corner available on the third day, fourth or fifth round, who I, I think will be able to start. Um, again, I think one of the more interesting things in this draft is, is, is Jalen Tabor or Tease Tabor, where he wants to be called now. Um, he had a great career at Florida. Big-time shutdown corner against big-time foes, uh, and, and he's fallen on draft boards. Um, Quincy Wilson, his cornerback mate at Florida, is falling on some draft boards. I don't know why. Those guys played at high level for a couple years. Um, and one guy who's really coming up is Fabian Moreau, the UCLA corner. Oh, my God, look how fast he is. Well, watch any UCLA game, and Fabian Monroe gets beat once a game. So, um, yeah, it's – but still, I think Fabian Moreau on the right team can be a pretty solid cornerback. But, this, yeah, this is a, um, a really good cornerback class. The, the two Ohio State kids, um, Marshawn Lattimore and Jerrion Conley, this is just a really good cornerback class. It's, you're going to be able to find legitimate NFL corners in, in round four and five. Uh, let's hope a couple of those find their way up to Wisconsin uh, after the draft. And uh, the last position I want to touch on just before we let you go is the wide receivers. Obviously, uh, I mentioned earlier John Ross uh, breaking the combine. There was obviously a lot of buzz about that there. The other thing, uh, there's players, you know, like who were gathering a lot of steam this time last year, guys like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and many other wide receivers. But it kind of cooled off a little bit. Is there any of the guys that you think uh, really have that potential to be, uh, you know, a kind of wide receiver one or a next wide receiver in the NFL? Yeah, I think Mike Williams at Clemson. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, he, he missed his uh, he missed the 2015 season with a neck injury. Yeah. I think that gives teams pause, as it should. Um, but on the field, he's a big guy, um, extremely, extremely physical. I, I, I went to the national title game uh, and interviewed him. You stand next to him, and you're like, my God, this guy looks like a defensive lineman. He's big, he's physical, he's muscular, um, he's got a big neck. Um, I think he can be a really good NFL. He can be a go-to receiver. And the other guy I'm extremely intrigued by is Western Michigan's Corey Davis. Um, yes, a, a lower level. You know, Mac football is not the greatest. Yeah. But Corey Davis, a big kid, 6'3", um, Really good hands. Catches everything thrown to him. Got that big catch radius. Um, productive. Um, and I think, yes, he played in the Mac. But I still think, on the right, again, on the right team, the right fit, this guy could be a 70, 75, 80 catch guy for five or six years because he's got the tools. Um, maybe not the top, the elite top end speed. Um, neither does Mike Williams, but I think those guys are big enough, fast enough. They know how to use their bodies, and, and that to me is is an impressive thing that not enough players know how to do. I'm, you know, there's a lot of big receivers out there who don't understand. Hey, I'm a big guy. I can do some things nobody else can. But Mike Williams and Corey Davis know they're big. Uh, and they know how to use their bodies. Well, no, like like you pointed on, you know, Corey Davis, you know, Mike Williams, they're not the fastest guys, and you know, they're that's not the type of game that they play. They're big, you know. For example, for Mike Williams, I think the one thing that you know is the best part about his game is his ability to catch those fifty-fifty balls, be yeah. able to you know beat one-on-one coverage, be able to go up in the air and be able to haul those down. And be able to be strong enough to, to even 
take contact and be able to hold on to it. You know, Corey Davis, like you mentioned, big catch radius. These guys aren't necessarily known for their speed. Now, granted, wide receiver, you're supposed to be pretty fast. Doesn't mean you have to be in order to be an elite wide receiver. I'm sure there. I can't think of you know specific examples off the top of my head. But you know, I, I, <laughs> right. But you know, calm. Answering your question from my perspective, um, it, it, that's a tough question to, to answer because I think wide receivers are is one of the positions that might take the longest to to get used to the game. You know, we've seen some go through growing pains. We saw, you know, we always see the, the sophomore slump, as we call it, with, with uh, you know, with wide receivers, for example, like Mike, Mike Evans did last year. Um, though that's overblown. So, I mean, there are guys, you know, I know, you know, he mentioned, uh, you know, Corey Davis, Mike Williams. I'll throw a couple of the names out there, not so much like a John Ross where, oh, my God, he threw, he ran a four-two-two because if you're if you're elevating him up your board because he ran a four-two-two, then you clearly haven't been watching him. He's known for his speed, so he's expected to run fast. Um, but the biggest thing for him is his injury history. But I'm going to throw out another guy, Carlos Henderson, out of Louisiana Tech. I think he's a guy that didn't have the best of combines, especially during the drills. But you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to be undervalued. I think he's a day two guy. Maybe round two, round three, but he, you know, at lower competition like Corey Davis, but he has shown the ability to be the guy who can be relied on in a, in a passing offense. I think. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a number one out of the gate. I'm not saying he could. He's going to be one, but he's going to be a guy you can rely on. And um, I, I'm a big fan of his game. You know, there are, there are a couple others uh, I'm going to mention, and, and it's the prototypical. Oh, he's a white wide receiver, but Chad Henson. I'm a big Chad fan Hansen, of. Yes. Um, out of Cal, uh, he was Davis Webb's, you know, go-to guy. He, you know, was able to put up big numbers, um, and he's sort of forgotten. And again, in a normal, regular-sized draft class, I think he'd be a surefire top five wide receiver because I think he has shown the ability to play on the outside in the slot and be again be able to handle a big workload in a passing offense. So those are a couple of guys I'll mention as well. I'm not saying they're ever going to turn into number one guys. But you don't necessarily need to be a number one guy to succeed, I don't think. Um, but, you know, those those are a couple other guys I'll mention out there. But this is – I think this is a class, and, and maybe – I don't know what you guys think, but I think this is a class where there's going to be a lot more value in day two picks, in yeah. day two value or day three value than there is at the top of the class. Corey Davis, Mike Williams, great prospects. But there's a lot of other guys that are being forgotten in this shuffle. Um, you know, again, I point out a couple – you know, we talk about, you know, how many are going to be picked in the first round? We see, oh, yeah, Mike Williams. We see, oh, yeah, Corey Davis. Oh, yeah, John Ross now all of a sudden. But there are going to be guys on day two, even day three, that are going to be able to, you know, start for a team right out of the bat, I think. Not necessarily as a number one guy, but maybe a slot guy or a number two, especially considering some of the depth on some of these teams. So this is another class where I think has more value. Not top-heavy like, um, like uh, you know, defensive backs, but – you know, a class that's going to have a lot of value deep in rounds. Yeah, I think it's going to, you know, it's a lot of talk been made of the wide or running backs over the last uh, week or two, but uh, I, I'm quite excited about this wide receiver class as well. And I think it's going to be uh, some some great players for the, for the foreseeable future at that position as well. Uh, obviously, Mike, it's been our pleasure having you on this show again. Uh, the listeners should be following Mike on Twitter. It's Mike Huggenin, and that is H-U-G-U-E-N-I-N. And uh, obviously, Mike does a lot of great draft work as he's uh, talked through here on the show. Uh, and you can find a lot of that on gridironnow.com. Uh, Mike, anything out to the Gridiron Now that uh, you want to give a, a quick shout out to as uh, we wrap up the segment? No, I appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, I always enjoy it. And I would like to talk about two defensive tackles that I think they're going to be, that they're going to end up being better than their draft status. Yep. Uh, Caleb Brantley at Florida. And Dalvin Tomlinson at Alabama. Tomlin, both those guys are, are pretty versatile, especially Tomlinson. Um, but you know, I talked about interviewing Mike Williams at the title game. Dalvin Tomlinson is like a square block of rock. Um, <laughs> you look at him; he, he's you're like, oh my god, this guy. He, he seriously, he, it's it's amazing how big he is. But uh, I think he's going to be a guy who you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar. Uh, but I think he could be a guy who's going to play, you know, maybe maybe 12 years in the NFL for three teams, make a ton of money, never get hurt, 
and always turn in an honest day's effort. And I think Caleb Brantley actually can be a star. I just don't think he's going to last as long because I don't think his I don't think he's as physical as Tomlinson. But uh, if your team ends up with Brantley or Tomlinson, uh, I think you can be extremely happy because both those guys I think um, are going to be drafted a little bit lower than they should be given their talent level. Yeah, and you mentioned their uh, players did an honest day's work, and I think that's still the thing that even with the combine, with all the interviews, it's still extremely hard for the uh, NFL teams to tell which players truly love the game uh, more than just to get to the you know the big paycheck when they get to the NFL. And I think that is really the key. Uh, the work ethic is uh, the hardest thing for them to test, and uh, I think that obviously helps having them have a long and successful career. But Mike, it has uh, been an absolute pleasure, and uh, maybe even we can do it again uh, prior to the draft uh, in a couple of weeks. So uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate that. I'm open. Thanks a lot, guys. Hi, I'm Matt Williamson, and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. So that was Mike. A lot of good uh, information there regarding the NFL draft. And uh, mentioned at the start of the show as to how rapid free agency has uh, taken over uh, in the last kind of, I would say, Doug, even 24 hours. And, you know, just starting to get into it, I'm going to run through a few things and then I'll let Doug give his opinion. We were going to do kind of a, a free agents and guests in their landing spots, you know, guys like Alshon Jeffrey and so on. But stuff's happening so fast, we just decided that we'll run through some of the news and give our thoughts on what has happened because it's happening so quick. It uh, looks like Pierre Garçon is off to the 49ers. Uh, obviously, they needed wide receiver help, uh, you know, with the way their core was looking over there. But Pierre Garçon, and somebody who I have always thought is uh, underrated, had a big year, uh, I think now maybe three years ago under Kyle Shanahan uh, when he was the coordinator there uh, at the Redskins. And, um, you know, he had a nice year again last year, over 1,000 yards. And uh, he's going to get rewarded with a big contract down there in San Francisco. Branton LaFell was talked about, been rumoured to go to a few teams, obviously former uh, Patriot uh, two years ago as well. But he's got a two-year extension with the Bengals, another player I mentioned with Garçon. Obviously, they had an even more needed wide receiver after they released Torrey Smith. And uh, it looks like he could possibly go back and link up with the Baltimore Ravens. I'd be interested to see if we had him on one side, Mike Wallace on the other uh, with the Ravens. It'd be certainly interesting to see teams covering that and um, looks like as well Brian Hoyer is going to leave the Bears where he was a free agent and uh, head to the 49ers as well as a bridge quarterback obviously there's still rumors going around about Kirk Cousins but let's not speculate too much on that and then another former Redskin and that is Deshaun Jackson linked heavily with the Bucks and lots of talk still going on about Branton Cooks could be traded. A lot of teams interested there. Kenny Stills possibly go back to the Dolphins, but a number of teams interested in his services. And uh, it's just an interesting, interesting time. Obviously, we've heard a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo, and I know Doug will be very fascinated with that. Looks at the moment like possibly going to stay uh, up there in New England. In New England as well, looks like Martellus Bennett's time is over uh, after winning the Super Bowl this year. As Dwayne Allen has been drafted, or not drafted, traded to the Pats from the uh, the Colts um, there in a trade on Wednesday. And uh, Jack Doyle, as Doug mentioned earlier, has uh, re-signed as well with the Colts, uh, prompting that move by Indianapolis. The other one then is Tony Romo. released. Uh, he's going to be released on Thursday from his contract with the Dallas Cowboys after meeting with Jerry Jones on Tuesday. So we'll see where he ends up. But there's just so many uh, different things going on, and that's just with me running down through them. Uh, the 49ers has just popped up here on my screen. have signed uh, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, former Baltimore Raven, uh, for $21 million over four years. So, obviously, the fallback. And he's, it's, uh, fallback's a key position to Kyle Shanahan's offense. So, it's interesting to see him, uh, you know, starting to influence the moves there in San Francisco and also start to uh, gather up some players that he is familiar with, like Pierre Garçon. And uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the chips fall over the next couple of days as these things go on. But I would say the the one Doug's probably most interested in is the, the Dwayne Allen news. Is there anything else there? Disappointed that... Uh, this probably means that Bennett won't be back next year and uh, how do you think uh, the Patriots if you're grading the trade at this very very early stage it only happened I think maybe 40 minutes before we started recording the show yeah so in regards to you know Bennett leaving uh, all but obviously sealed um, I'm not surprised Bennett was probably not coming back to the Patriots with how much interest there is out there uh, for him and just what he he was commanding in in uh, money, uh, it wasn't surprising. 
Though it is surprising that the, the Patriots did trade for 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 tight end, uh, especially a guy that's owed a lot of money or at least signed a, a, a deal over seven million per season on average in uh, in Dwayne Allen. Um, I'll be honest, my initial reaction is I do not like this trade, and I'll tell you why. Um, along with Rob Gronkowski, Dwayne Allen is probably one of the most injury prone players there is yep. at the position. Now, granted, he's going for less money than probably what it would have taken to re-sign, you know, Martellus Bennett. But I do not like. I think there are better players out there that could they could have gotten just as cheap. Which, when you think about it, they traded a fourth-round pick for Dwayne Allen, uh, the Patriots. That is, they traded a fourth-round pick for Dwayne Allen and a sixth-round pick, which is almost identical. Because I think last year the Patriots traded a sixth-round pick to get Martellus Bennett and a seventh. So it's almost identical in the value that they're getting in regards to the trade. But I think there are better options they could have gone after. I do not like this trade. And granted, that's my initial reaction. He could be very good. Dwayne Allen has shown he can be very good. But my problem is, is that, like Gronk, which is his biggest issue, is his health. Dwayne Allen might even be more injury prone than him. And that's my biggest concern is it's hard for a guy to be impactful if he's not on the field. Yeah. So that's that's my concern with, with Dwayne Allen. I think he's a very talented tight end. I was big on him a few years ago. Someone actually retweeted a, something I, I, I said about a year ago when he was a free agent, Dwayne Allen, that is, yeah. that he could fit in New England because um, he can block and he can, he can catch the ball, especially in the red zone. When, when um, he's healthy, there's no doubt very, very talented, very good blocker and very good in the red zone and you know at times it looks like all he does is catch touchdowns but just uh having him healthy is always that issue he, he reminds me a lot of uh, martellus bennett if he could stay healthy and uh, if you have him and gronk lined up obviously in the red zone it's gonna be pretty much impossible uh to kind of stop that attack but the thing is that keeping the two of those guys healthy is going to be a, a tough task for the patriots this season yeah it, it's going to be tough um now granted i will say with uh, with with Rob Gronkowski, and granted, this is this could change on a dime, but he is looking, uh, you know, he's looking pretty good now, right now, in regards to his health. I guess, it, maybe this sounds bad for me to say, but I guess it's fortunate that he got injured not too late in the season. Yeah, so it gives him plenty Week of time 11, to, I think, was it? Yeah, to recover and to be able to be ready for, maybe not even training camp, but just be able to... Um, you know, even you know whether it's training camp or the preseason, make sure they give him time to heal. And uh, you know, I'm looking right now just for whatever it's worth at um, Dwayne Allen's contract, just because he signed a four-year, twenty-nine million dollar contract last offseason, and eleven and a half of it, so just under, I would say, close to forty percent, just off the top of my head, um, is 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 guaranteed. So that's hard because he has a tenth highest contract in regards to average annual value, according to over the cap, in regards to his contract. But he actually, the team could cut him next season and save $4 million, and then the last year in his contract, which is 2019, they could save six six 6.4 post-June. So there's a possibility that he could only last a year or two yeah. if he doesn't do well financially. Well, you could also say it restructured as well as another possibility. Yeah, he could be restructured. He could get the Danny Amendola treatment. Yeah. There's so many options. I just think that for what they paid, I think they could have paid a little bit more to get somebody who maybe isn't as talented, but at least is a little more reliable when it comes to being on the field. That's that's my thing is is his health. If he can stay healthy, which I doubt, or at least I don't know if he can play a full 16 games in a season. That's my biggest concern. If he can, I think it's a steal. I think it's a steal for what they got or for what they gave away. But that's a big if. But the key for all these things, and I always like to say it, is uh, to see how it plays out. Time is the key to see who wins in these trades. At the start, uh, when Cleveland traded away, uh, Trent Richardson, I remember they were getting hammered and the, the Colts looked like geniuses. But you know, a year and a half later, we all know how that one played out uh, in Indianapolis. And uh, I think the Browns, even though they haven't turned the, that first round pick into a huge amount of success, uh, I think they actually turned it in was to to Johnny Manziel but uh, you know we'll see how it plays out uh, a couple other stories that I didn't touch on when I was running through them Tyrod Taylor speaking of restructured contracts has restructured his contract with the Buffalo Bills and they 
you know, I, I think it would have been absolutely crazy if they had let him walk. With the way the situation is in the NFL, how hard it is to find a, a starting level quarterback. And, you know, I don't think he's, uh, you know, an elite, elite quarterback. And I hate using the word elite, but in, in the seasons that he started, those two seasons, they finished 12th in points last year and 10th in points this year. And I think, you know, with his dual threat ability and with LeSean McCoy in that backfield, Sammy Watkins as well, Tyrod Taylor, uh, if you're looking at one throw that he makes well as that deep throw, if we can keep Sammy Watkins healthy in Buffalo, I think uh, they could uh, have a nice offense again this upcoming Definitely. season. Yep. And the other one that we just skipped over, glossed over, didn't mention at all, was that Brant Marshall, released by the Jets, stays in New York and uh, signs up with the New York Giants. Uh, so, I yeah. so at least, love that yeah. He can do all his uh, media responsibilities and everything still, probably stay in, keep his same house. And uh, I think the key is, we all know Branton Marshall has had his issues you know, off the field when he was a young player. He started off with Denver, went to Miami, went to the Bears, went to the Jets. You know, He's kind of moved on quite swiftly, but a lot of the time in his younger career was due to uh, his attitude probably off the field, getting into some confrontations and so on. And you know, we've seen Odell Beckham, while I think it's been blown out of proportion, you know, have some of his issues. People talk about him being a bit of a diva, but uh, maybe having uh, somebody, a veteran like Brandon Marshall there will help. And obviously, they do need somebody, that kind of player, who can play over the middle, take those shots. And I mentioned there when Mike was on and you were talking about you don't have to be fast to be an NFL wide receiver. And I mentioned Brandon Bolden, or um, Bolden, who played with the Lions last year. But you have to you have to look at somebody like Marshall now getting a little bit older, and he is very physical. And I think they do need that threat because you know the tight end position isn't a strength of theirs. So the the middle of the field, and then that opens opens things up for Odell Beckham, and we'll see if Sterling Shepard uh, steps forward in his second season. But I think uh, you know without uh, going into too much more because it'll probably all be out of date very shortly. And looking forward, I'm I'm obviously looking forward to seeing where guys like Jeffrey land. I want to see where Kenny Britt lands and. Kenny Stills, I think, uh, for fantasy next year could be a, a sneaky value again because, you know, although he is very inconsistent, I think he does definitely have that value in fantasy. So we'll see where he lands. We'll see what happens with all the running backs in this class. And, you know, as expected, it could be a little bit of a slower class for running backs with the depth we talked about in the draft. We'll see how uh, the, the, kind of the veterans uh, play out as well. So we'll be back. Uh, possibly next week. Hopefully next week. We'll probably try and get one going each week up until the draft and talk through free agency and so on and so forth but again make sure you're following uh, our guest today mike Huggenin on twitter uh, you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland you can follow doug on twitter as well at dmore nfl and uh, of course uh, make sure you give us a comment and a written on itunes or stitcher wherever you listen to the podcast and continue to spread the word of the show and uh, thank you for tuning in until the next one have a good one Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.